Good evening. Our top story tonight, the AFC East and all of its unfinished position battles. We've got some backup quarterbacks, unless you believe Mac Jones' job really is at risk. We've got running backs. We've got wide receivers. We've got tight ends. And we've got an update on Stephon Diggs and Josh Allen on player profiler today. Before we get to all the position battles across the AFC East, we do have to clear some things up about Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs. Allen believes that this whole situation has been blown completely out of proportion, that they are not playing a game for four months, and that Diggs doesn't show up for one day, and he's still there. But coach asked him to go home. There are talks, and they're trying to resolve things, and the media is still talking about it. There's no reason to continue talking about it, according to Josh Allen. But the only reason we're talking about it is because Sean McDermott told us he was very concerned. If Sean McDermott wasn't very concerned, then I wouldn't have been concerned. But Sean McDermott, whether he misspoke or he was just being honest and is trying to cover it up, he's the one that made this situation work. If Sean McDermott was asked where's Stefan Diggs and said, oh, we excused him for the day. You know, we've got some stuff to work out, but he's just gone for the day. He showed up earlier and no one bats an eye. We'll bat an eye. But the fact that Sean McDermott said that it is worrying him caught our attention. Otherwise, it blows over. But looking at these AFC East position battles, of course, not much of a position battle for the Buffalo Bill quarterback job. I mean, Josh Allen, obviously the starter. Behind him, it's technically Kyle Allen versus Matt Barkley. But as we know, last year, Matt Barkley was on the practice squad for the majority of the year behind Case Keenum. Kyle Allen is expected to be the new Case Keenum for Josh Allen. And so Barkley probably going to spend another year on the practice squad. Whereas in New England, Mac Jones versus Bailey Zappi, who is the starting quarterback? An interesting report came out that no, Bill Belichick was not forced to start Mac Jones, that he was not hamstrung at all, and that all the whispers that Belichick wanted to start Bailey Zappi, but Mac Jones was the guy for Robert Kraft, that was all fake. And Belichick did nothing to dissuade those rumors. So is that a miss by Bill Belichick? Or is it Belichick being Belichick? Or Belichick being Belichick ruining the Patriots? Regardless, Mac Jones is the starter. He's going to have every opportunity. He is the first-round draft pick. Bailey Zappi is the fourth-round draft pick. Mac Jones was better in college. I know Bailey Zappi is more prolific, but Mac Jones did it at the SEC. And Mac Jones is a historically accurate quarterback. He is one of three quarterbacks to complete 65% of his passes over his first two seasons in the NFL. If he does it again, he will join Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow as the only quarterbacks to do it in all three seasons. Those are the only two other quarterbacks to do it in back-to-back -back seasons to start your career. What do you think? Can C.J. Stroud join that group? Can Bryce Young, who's reportedly savant at quarterback, join that group? I don't know. But I do know Matt Jones is starting. This is not a position battle. In Green Bay, there is a position battle behind Aaron Rodgers. Tim Boyle, the backup quarterback for Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay before he joined the Detroit Lions. Him versus Zach Wilson versus Chris Strebler. We all remember that Zach Wilson was the starter last year. 
And then he got benched for Mike White. Mike White now in Miami, which he has that job. Mike White is the backup. He's going to beat out Skylar Thompson. That's why they signed him. But Mike White ends up beating out Zach Wilson for the job for a little bit. Zach Wilson is completely restarting here. Will it be any surprise to see Tim Boyle as the backup with Zach Wilson active on game day, much like the Packers did with Jordan Love for the first year? Because if you think about it, Zach Wilson, although he's played more than Jordan Love, he's about as far along in his development. It has not gone well, probably even further behind in his development. Time we've seen him on the field has been bad. At least Jordan Love has had some flashes, but Zach Wilson has not. So I really think Tim Boyle is going to start the year as the back quarterback and Zach Wilson is going to have to earn his way up the depth chart. Chris Strebler might make the team because he also plays special teams as a quarterback, much like Taysom Hill, but eh, whatever. Anyways, what is not whatever is the draft kit from Player Profiler. It is fantastic. You'll see me all over the place. If you want just the draft kit, you can get that. If you want the all-in package, sign up and use promo code JACK for $10 off. But if you want to know what's in the draft kit, the Podfather has all that for you. Take it away. Hey, it's the Podfather of great news. The 2023 draft kit is live. It is world famous. Why? Because it is the best resource for winning fantasy football championships that exists. There are rankings and cheat sheets for every format you can imagine. We have projections both at the team level and the player level. And wherever you are, you can click on a player, open them up, and see in-depth written analysis about what to expect in fantasy football from that player this year. And then you can click on the team, and you can get even more in-depth analysis, all the drivers of fantasy production, both in a positive and negative direction for that team, including a signature trend. And the graphics are incredible. So these team insights, they give you the team-level projections, the vacated targets, the vacated areas, and that one dynamic for each team that you need to know when making decisions on draft day. And we added a bunch of features. I mean, individual cheat sheets for Theo and Billy and Dario. So you can take your favorite analyst and download their personal draft cheat sheet. And then in the commissioner's section, also brand new this year, Memphis Young lays out everything you need to know to manage a league, do's, don'ts, tips, and what the more innovative fantasy commissioners are doing this year. That's presented by Trophy Smack. The whole package is presented by the Fantasy Football Players Championship, the FFPC, Ray Garvin, Derek Brown, the best minds in the industry contributing analysis. It's certainly not the most inexpensive draft kit on the market, but uh, it is the best. Playerprofiler.com slash draft kit. Playerprofiler.com slash draft kit. Go get it. Oh, get the draft kit. It is truly something special. And it breaks down the backfield competition that the Buffalo Bills have going on. James Cook versus Damian Harris versus Latavius Murray versus Naeem Hines. Really, though, I think this is James Cook's backfield. If you look at the contract, Damian Harris signed for less than $2 million. That is less than Samaj P. Ryan is going to get. We do not expect Samaj P. Ryan when, well, I... Start over, because we expect Samaj P. Ryan to be in a committee with Javante Williams while he is hurt this year. But he's making less than that. So Damian Harris isn't even making high-end rotational back money. He is kind of making backup money. 
this year with the New England, or with the Buffalo Bills after his time with the New England Patriots. Damian Harris could very well end up being cut for Latavius Murray. It's possible. Latavius Murray making just under a million dollars. It's very possible that Latavius Murray somehow beats out Damian Harris. I'm not saying it's likely. I think Damian Harris ultimately makes this team, but I think we're almost in more of a conversation about who is the RB2 rather than who is competing with James Cook. I think James Cook going to take a healthy 50-ish percent of the touches. He's not going to flirt with that 60% bell cow range. That's just not James Cook's profile, but 50% of the touches on efficiency that he's had, that is going to lead to some pretty big boom weeks. And it's who gets the touches behind him. Is it Dane Harris getting 30% of the touches? That leads up to 80% between the two of them. Then we see 20% to Latavius Murray. Does Naheem Hines end up getting cut? Because the Bills could cut Naheem Hines and save about $5 million. That ended up being just a waste of a trade. Naheem Hines, because of the draft capital, has the inside track to make the roster, but the salary is almost prohibitive to him making the roster. So I think when all is said and done, it's going to be James Cook seeing 50-55% of the touches. Damian Harris probably seeing 25-30% of the touches. And then another 15-20% to 20% to either Latavius Murray or Naheem Hines, whoever makes the team. Jordan Mims, the undrafted free agent, also competing there. And in New England, Damian Harris's former team. This is the Ramondre Stevenson show. But Ramondre Stevenson's been pretty open about being willing to take less work that he broke down towards the end of the season. And a large part of that is because the offense, even the passing game, was just built around Ramondre Stevenson and Jacoby Myers because those were the only two playmakers. There wasn't an actual offensive structure. They weren't calling real plays with Matt Patricia. That's how bad it was at times. It wasn't, they were calling plays, but it wasn't real professional NFL grade stuff. It was just kind of, well, yeah, you do that. Yeah, you can do that. You can do that. There was no mesh of the passing game, no mesh of the passing game with the play action game either. And so led to a lot of dump offs to Andre Stevenson, a lot of check downs to Jacoby Myers or just Mac Jones hucking it deep and throwing an incompletion to Fonte Parker, unfortunately. But Ramondre Stevenson, he's still going to be a bell cow. He's still going to see 60% plus of the opportunity. But that still leaves 30-40% of the opportunity behind him. I believe that it is going to be Pierre Strong that takes that job. We've heard hype about Ty Montgomery. But when have we ever seen Ty Montgomery actually do anything? He's been the all-hype guy for years. He was with the New Orleans Saints. He was with the Green Bay Packers. And just time after time, time Montgomery disappoints. I think Peter Strong is going to be the passing down back. Not the true passing down back. We're still going to see plenty of Ramondre Stevenson. But Peter Strong's going to be that RB2 getting 25 30% of the opportunities. Kevin Harris and Ty Montgomery fight for scraps behind him. And J.J. Taylor doesn't end up making this roster. As for Miami, Miami is, if you can figure out the Miami Dolphins backfield correctly, you're going to win a lot of money in a lot of different fantasy football leagues. Because right now, everyone's expecting Dalvin Cook to join the Miami Dolphins. But if he doesn't, Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert and probably Devon A-Chain too are being drafted far too late. 
Jeff Wilson was re-signed. He was actually the priority over Raheem Mostert. He was given more money than Mostert. Both are pretty much just one-year deals, and both could end up being cut if they do sign Alvin Cook. But given the money allocated, if someone's cut, it's more likely that it's Mostert because the Dolphins have a replacement to Raheem Mostert. It's Devon A-Chain. And if they have Dalvin Cook, they don't need that Devon A-Chain, Raheem Mostert role to play as much. Whereas Jeff Wilson, he's the Swiss Army knife. He's the do-it-all guy. He can run between the tackles. He can take the goal line work. Those are things that Raheem Mostert doesn't do a ton of. That's why they went out for Jeff Wilson. So Jeff Wilson, I think, is extremely underrated. But all things told... It's going to end up, as long as they don't sign Dalvin Cook, if they sign Dalvin Cook, he's seeing over 50% of the opportunity, could flirt with 60% of the opportunity. He's not going to be the full bell cow that he was in in Minnesota. He's not going to see 70-80%, but a healthy 60%, 65%, that's in the range of outcomes for Dalvin Cook. But if not, it's going to be a 33, 35, 31% split, and it's just going to be... All right, this guy blew up this week. And this week, week one, Jeff Wilson saw 22 carries, went for 143 yards and two touchdowns. He was the guy to roster this week. And then week two, oh, well, Raheem Mostert, he broke a long run. He ended up having 15 carries, 103 yards and two touchdowns. So Raheem Mostert was the guy. Then there will be Devon A. Chain week. And it's just, I'm worried that this is a better in best ball backfield because unless Jeff Wilson ends up being the every week goal line back. And I don't know if we're going to have confident startable weeks between Raheem Mostert and Devon A. Chain, just because they do so many of the same things. Meanwhile, Miles Gaskin, Savon Ahmed, one of them's getting cut. One's probably on the practice squad. Both play special teams. So there's a chance if they don't sign Dalvin Cook, then the roster, but it's not fantasy relevant at all. As for the New York Jets, it's Bruce Hall than everybody else. But we don't know how, what Brees Hall is going to look like to start the season. We are confident in him. It sounds as though he's going to be healthy week one, but the Jets are prepping just in case. Israel Banakanda is going to compete with Michael Carter for touches. Bam Knight will compete too, but Bam Knight was not practicing this offseason. He was banged up because he runs so hard because his name's Bam. But it won't be a surprise if when training camp rolls around, Bam Knight is ahead of Israel Abanacanda in the pecking order because of the veteran deference. Michael Carter is going to have a role no matter what. And by the end of the season, by week 14, 15, 16, by the playoffs, Brees Hall is going to be the bell cow that we know and love. He's going to be seeing 70% of the opportunities by the end of the year. But to start the season, won't be a surprise at all to see Brees Hall actually outsnapped Michael Carter in some games for him to play 35, 40% of the snaps early in the year, save him down the stretch. Brees Hall is going to be a league winner at running back down the stretch. Once he gets fully healthy to start the year though. And this is why Alan Soslowski, he made a very good bet that James Connor could outscore Brees Hall over the season because Brees Hall could be slow to come back. He could miss the first game or two. He could be limited even when he does return where James Conner, he we know he's going to be a full bell for the whole season. But I just think Brees Hall is going to be the guy you want at the end of the year in the fantasy football playoffs. Love me some Brees Hall. As for his teammates, Garrett Wilson is the alpha 
Alan Lazard is going to be fighting for targets behind him, trying to take targets away from Garrett Wilson. Then it's just a couple of weird position battles behind them. It's McCole Hardman versus Corey Davis. For that wide receiver three role sounds as though it is going to go to McCole Hardman. Corey Davis is going to be the four. He, <laughs> Corey Davis is the Devontae Parker of the New York Jets, that outside X receiver who is overpaid, but they're a veteran and they're a quality veteran. And they deserve to be on an NFL roster, and this is what they pay those guys. But it's still, it's a weird situation. Corey Davis and McCall Hardman don't think they're going to be crazy fantasy relevant. McCardman will have some pop games, but this is Garrett Wilson, and this is Alan Lazard. As for the Miami Dolphin, we know it's Jalen Waddle. We know it's Tyree Kill. There's not going to be a lot of room behind them. We saw that last year, that even with Mike Gusecki riding the bench a lot, even with no tight end of consequence, no super pass catcher out of the backfield, and no wide receiver three that Trent Sherfield, the wide receiver three by default, just didn't do enough. I guess it's not by default. Trent Sherfield did end up beating out Cedric Wilson, who the Miami Dolphins paid to come here. Now Cedric Wilson, the Dolphins tried to get rid of him. Brought in Braxton Berrios, brought in Chosen Anderson. For those of you who are not familiar, Robbie Anderson changed his name legally to Chosen Anderson. So it's a competition between those three. It's just not a very fantasy-relevant conversation because it's going to be Jalen Wall. It's going to be Tyree Kill. And unless either of those guys miss time, it's a consolidated target share. It really is. It is not the same position battle that we see with the Buffalo Bills, which includes Trent Sherfield, former Miami Dolphins wide receiver Trent Sherfield. He went and signed with the Buffalo Bills. And no, he is not going to be fantasy relevant. But yes, he is relevant in terms of what NFL teams actually do. Because Trent Sherfield, he does the little things well. He's a he's a hard worker, a grinder. He blocks all that fun stuff. But he has a very low ceiling fantasy football-wise and performance-wise. But he's good enough that... And bring him in on your roster as a tester for some of these young guys. You sign, you draft Khalil Shakur. We all want Khalil Shakur to be a thing. I think he is going to. But if he can't beat out Sherfield, that's a bad thing. And it's a good thing for the organization to find that out. Trent Sherfield is kind of like the pacer at the dog races. Just tells you, okay, this is how fast that it is going. This is how good this player is. Khalil Shakur, if he's not as good as Trent Sherfield, we're going to have to end up cutting bait at some point. If he's better, then he's worthy of getting NFL snaps. But how does it shake out? It's Gabe Davis versus Khalil Shakur versus Deontay Hardy versus Trent Sherfield. We hope that they bring in another receiver. We wanted them to bring in DeAndre Hopkins. They didn't. Looks like it's going to be Gabe Davis playing a stretch role as a not fast athletic receiver. And Khalil Shakur hopefully playing the Cole Beasley role. It could be Deontay Hardy, but I think Deontay Hardy is more of that um, Khalil McKenzie, Isaiah McKenzie, sorry. Isaiah McKenzie, who they had last year, that fourth wide receiver who can start in emergencies in the slot, more of a special teams guy, a returner. I think the Bills really want Khalil Shakur to win this wide receiver three role. And I think the Patriots want Devontae Parker to be on the bench. I know they pay him all this money, but it's a heavily incentive-laden deal. 
There's no way that Devontae Parker sees anywhere close to this $33 million. He sees $14 million guaranteed, but that includes the guaranteed money for this year. Next year, there's not going to be a ton of guaranteed money. So I think if the Patriots have it their way, it's going to be Juju Smith-Schuster, obviously the wide receiver one in the slot. Unless they really have it their way, they sign DeAndre Hopkins, and then DeAndre Hopkins is the wide receiver one at X. Juju Smith-Schuster, he is their slot receiver, and Tyquan Thornton, he is their stretch Z. But they're going to have packages with Kayshawn, or not with Kayshawn Booty, sorry, with Kendrick Bourne, and they're going to have packages with Devontae Parker because they are blocking-type wide receiver. They are, I don't know, it's going to be weird. It's going to be weird no matter how it shakes out. Adding DeAndre Hopkins to this group upgrades the passing game, upgrades things for Mac Jones, but... It's just going to be a really weird snapshot by the end of the season. If DeAndre Hopkins ends, he is going to be the one guy that matters. Juju's going to have some weeks. Tyquan Thornton will have a couple of deep balls that he has 10-plus point games. But Devontae Parker, not going to be able to trust him. Not going to be able to trust Kendrick Bourne. Definitely not going to be able to trust Kayshawn Butte. And even if DeAndre Hopkins doesn't sign, you're not going to be able to trust Kendrick Bourne or Devontae Parker in any given week. Tyquan Thornton, just a deep shot kind of guy. It'll be Juju Smith-Schuster. And then the tight ends. Because Mike Gusecki also does a lot of the same things that Devontae Parker does. Does a lot of the same things that Kendrick Bourne does. Similar build to Devontae Parker. Bit taller, bit heavier, but can play that X receiver role. Mike Gusecki, not really a tight end. So it'll be interesting to see how many two tight end sets there are. Or Hunter Henry is the true tight end, and Mike Gusecki is actually an ex-receiver. It's going to be a weird offense for the Patriots. It's going to be a really weird offense. It'll be better in real life than fantasy football because they have options to spread it around to. They're just not dominant offense that'll help you in fantasy football. It's a very frustrating situation, this Patriots offense. If they get DeAndre Hopkins, he's the guy. Ramondre Stevenson is the guy no matter what. Pierre Strong, going to have some value some weeks is pass catching back especially handcuff value and then the rest of the wide receivers it's juju thornton everyone it's just weird it's weird also weird that the miami dolphins really don't have a tight end consequence still they let mike gusecki walk durham Smythe was actually their starter last year he was doing the heavy work in the run game blocking but wasn't running any routes that Sounds a lot like what Tyler Croft does. They signed him from the San Francisco 49ers, just a blocking tight end. He was the tight end three for the 49ers, sometimes tight end two. Also brought in Eric Subbert, just another one of those, hey, I'm a tight end three on an NFL roster, but because it's the Dolphins and they don't care about tight end, maybe I'll actually start some games. What we really want is Elijah Higgins to start seeing the field. It's Elijah Higgins former wide receiver turned tight end drafted in the sixth round. He has all the athletic upside in the world. He has, I believe, a 90th percentile athletic score on player profiler. Either way, a wide receiver that runs for five, turns tight end, mid-senior bowl too, which means he's coachable, which means he is listening, which he means he gets it. Elijah Higgins is the guy that we want to take the role from the Miami Dolphins. For the Jets, talked about this the other day with the GOAT district. It's going to be another weird balance because Tyler Conklin's technically going to be the starter. 
CJ Uzan is going to play as many or more snaps in games because he's basically the new Mercedes Lewis. He's an extra offensive lineman. But then we've got Jeremy Ruckert, who's been getting a bunch of hype. Rookie last year didn't play a whole lot. He has stood out while Eric, while Tyler Conklin has been a little bit banged up. So he's the guy I am keeping an eye on, Jeremy Ruckert. Tyler Conklin, though, we saw last year, he had some fantasy-relevant weeks, he had some tight end one weeks, and some tight end two weeks. He just... It's the nature of the tight end position. If you're not one of those elite guys like Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews, then it's oftentimes tough to make a difference. And that is why the position battle between the Buffalo Bills doesn't matter as much as a lot of people want it to be. And it's going to disappoint a lot of people how it shakes out. Boston Knox is going to play more snaps than Dalton Kincaid in 2023. That is going to happen. Dawson Knox going to run more routes than Dalton Kincaid too. He may have less targets, though I doubt it. He may have less receiving yard, though I doubt it. And he could score less touchdowns, though again, I doubt it. I think Austin Knox will outscore and beat Dalton Kincaid across the board. I think he'll have more receptions. I think he'll have more targets. I think he'll have more touchdowns because he is the inline tight end. He will be playing more snaps. And in formations where they have three wide receivers, it's going to be Dawson Knox on the field as that inline tight end. That's just how NFL offenses work. So it's going to be special packages for Dalton Kincaid. And the reason I say there's a chance that he outpaces Dawson Knox is because, yeah, Dawson Knox is going to be on the field more, could end up blocking more. They could end up having to stay in on pass protection more because the offensive line is still suspect for the Buffalo Bills. But at the end of the day, it just doesn't matter. Neither Dawson Knox nor Dalton Kincaid are going to make a big enough difference in the fantasy football lineup. But people are worried about it. And it's funny. 